0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Ampere Amplified. My name is Mahesh Madhav. I'm a performance architect here at Ampere Computing. We're here in the Ampere studios in the downtown Portland waterfront. And today I'm joined with Tony Dana, who's a director of technical program management. And I'll be talking today with Tony about the product lifecycle of the Ampere Ultra server product. And we'll go through the entire life cycle from the SOC, power on, debug, all the way to customer product, and beyond that thanks for joining us tony
1: thanks for having me again it's uh i really enjoyed our conversation and uh, looking forward to this one
0: i'm really interested in knowing about what it takes to get engineering samples into customers hands and i know there's a pipeline of quality and quality assurance that goes along in in that as well can you talk a little bit about the, the engineering sample pipeline
1: yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is yeah really exciting, right? Our goal is to make our customers happy. And uh, to do that, we have to get them samples and we have to get the our parts into production and we have to enable them to have stable systems. And so there's a lot of work that goes into that. And we do this in phases. So we have engineering samples, which are early parts before we go into production, that we provide to our customers so that they can evaluate our parts and to do their own characterization, their own measurements of those parts, to do performance testing, to do power measurements, to do uh, evaluations of those parts. And it's, it's key that we provide them these as early as possible. At the same time, right? They have to have a board or a system that they can do that evaluation on. And initially, many times that's a system that we provide. So the boards that some of the boards that we talked about in terms of that we develop those reference systems, we will provide our engineering samples on those boards, and then they can go run evaluations and take those into their lab and into their data center and 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 run run our silicon in their environment to see how well it operates. So uh, initially, we have this uh, phase of power on, and, and you can imagine the very first few chips that we get into the lab, those aren't the, the, the ones that we get in on the first day and first week are not the ones that we give to the customer, right? You you have to go through a sorting process and a testing process, and you have to enable the software teams to be able to write the code needed to support a uh, stable operating system and the uh, the drivers to support the peripherals. We do all of that work, and when we get to a certain point of stability, where the operating system is uh, up and running and the parts are somewhat stable, we will give a few samples and a few boards to customers to start their evaluation. And this is early on to see that it's working and functional the way they expect. And then that, that would be like an early sample that we give. And then... At the same time, our teams continue to go on through development and characterization and we'll sort out better parts. So we'll find parts and we'll be able to figure out how to make the part run faster or we'll be able to figure out how to make the interface to memory more stable or the the interface to PCIe or to certain cards a little bit better. And so then we will sample those parts at another time later and we'll will enable the customer to do benchmarks on the parts and say, hey, this is what we told you the part would do here. You can run these tests, and it actually performs to the level that we promised. And then we have to characterize and shmoo our parts and, and understand the performance and yield. That takes some time to do that, right? And so once we've done all of that work, we actually set parameters on our chips with regards to what voltages they run at when the part would get throttled. So what I mean is that certain times we'll go into a turbo mode where the frequencies will be boosted, Mm -hmm. but you can't overheat the chip. So at a certain point, that'll scale back. But when that happens and what voltages those different frequencies run at have been characterized. And once those are fully characterized and all those settings are done and we've done the measurements across process and yield, we will then release a production-like part. And so that's later in the engineering sample phase that we would release a part that's intended to be exactly like what we will I send in production. So so
0: when the customer receives the the first engineering sample or the second engineering sample sometimes they have feedback for us. How, how important is receiving
1: that early feedback from customers? Oh it's really critical. So the sooner we know mm-hmm. about a problem from the field or from the customer about something that's not working meaning especially if it we we suspect that it's something in our chip that's not functioning the way we anticipate, the more important it is and the better our chances of resolving that are. What we don't want to find is later in life when the part is out in production that it's not operating the way we expect. And I think in in silicon design and in chips, the worst thing you can have is uh, what may be called silent data corruption or... um, an instruction that doesn't execute the way that it's expected to execute and that can lead to a huge security holes it you know it really can hurt your reputation if you don't have that level of uh, validation so we spend an enormous amount of time before we send a chip to manufacturing and then once a chip comes back to ensure that the part is validated so that every instruction every interface operates exactly as it's specified to operate and we do a lot of work to to ensure that. So finding those bugs, finding those issues as soon as possible is critical to Ampere's success.
0: So the customer now has production samples mm-hmm. and they want to move forward to being able to
1: sell. What's the next step for getting them to launch? Sure. talked a little bit about how the chips are tested and how we do engineering samples. Simultaneous to that we're we're also doing validation on the boards and systems, and so, as the chip goes through this evaluation and testing, so will the system simultaneously go through a level of testing and validation and so once we get the board, the first chips back, we'll put the chip on the board and the boards will go through a, an electrical validation to ensure that the t- signals don't have any problems, that the, the, the capacitors and resistors are all the correct values, that the traces are as expected and the interfaces are working. Once we get to that level then that would be called uh, electrical design validation. Okay. So as uh, we power on the boards, just like I talked about the different engineering samples, the boards go through stages of validation uh, to validate that the systems work and uh, and then can be manufactured. So uh, not only does the system and board have to operate the way we want, it also has to be manufacturable at volume the way that we want. So then the companies that we work with to manufacture our boards, will take them and manufacture them at volume and check to see how many defects they have in that manufacturing process, where the issues are coming up. Uh, We will improve and release updated firmware code to go with that. And um, we may make changes to the tooling of the chassis to the where the connectors are actually placed and make uh, improvements to the signal integrity of the traces. That can happen through this process of board development. And then once we get... The parts that are production parts and we get to systems that are stable and production systems will go through, our customers will take those and go through a production or a pilot build. And so they'll take that into the thousands of units and build racks of systems and go out and put them out into the field and run and run a lot of tests on them to see that in the in the field they were operating as expected. They'll go through iterations of that and actually, in some cases, run live traffic. So when you think about the big data center customers, they'll put uh, racks of our system in their data center. They'll load the latest code onto it and actually run live traffic on it before they deploy it in a much larger system where they'll fill entire data centers with our product.
0: That's great. Yeah. So that's... That takes us from design, chip bring up, engineering samples, production. And now the product is out there in the field and it
1: may still require some upkeep from Ampere. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on. So what what today we've been focusing on is that time from uh, tape out generally to product launch. So that's the kind of it includes the bring-up, it includes the qualification, the verific- validation of the systems. What you're referring to now is that time of product launch to end-of-life. Mm-hmm. Uh, many refer to that as a sustaining phase, uh, but that phase is is quite important, right? It's it's where all the revenue generally yep. comes from. Uh, we do offer firmware updates during that time. We also do continuous quality improvement, so we will monitor our production, both of the silicon soc the assembly process of that soc and the testing process of that we'll continually monitor to find defects and uh, fallout to reduce the amount of fallout we want to increase our yield meaning we want more of the chips from the wafer and more of the chips that we assemble to make it to production so the more chips we can make from one wafer the more profitable we are and also the fewer chips that we find that are defective, once we go to assemble mm-hmm. them, the more profitable we are. So that gets us to economies of scale. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And we get into uh, quality checks that we do. We we may improve our, our screening process during that time. We have to be very careful that the quality of product that we produce is consistent across the life of the product. And um, that's an entire other phase that, that hasn't another specialty and uh, yeah. teams of people that <laughs> that uh, make us successful. I think this continuous improvement throughout this
0: life cycle also helps cement our reputation with the customer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, quality is you know job one. You hear that all over the place. And uh, at Ampere and everywhere else, that we focus on quality so that we ensure that the product works as expected. Our reputation is on the line on every part that's out there. So we, we spend a lot of time and effort testing before we release a product to ensure that we don't have failures mechanical with uh, the package, failures mechanical with the systems. Electrical characteristics don't change over the life of the product. The defects don't pop up later. So in, in silicon design and manufacturing, if you don't design your product correctly, defects can show up and happen later in life and we need to make sure that we stress the parts enough to to find out that there are no hidden defects like that 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 would pop up one to 2 years later in the data center. We we ensure our parts will work for a certain lifetime and yep. if if the failure rate goes up, that's on us to figure out why and it's on us to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think it's to
0: the customer's benefit as well. And as they gain Confidence in our products, they'll go buy the next generation products and subsequent generations.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, but you know, even before they buy our first generation product, we expose to our customers what our qualification processes are. They want to know what level of testing we're doing, and we're very open about that. Right. That that is critically important to our company. That we follow a rigorous standard of qualification. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to? share or want me to ask about
1: well you i listened to the other podcasts yeah, yeah. and um there were all these questions about where you came from and yeah, why do you like working here yeah. and all that so i'm all prepared for that but you never asked ah. me any <laughs> of that
0: stuff <laughs> we thought do, we dove so deep into this so i was like trying to be more technical and, yeah and,
1: which and is and funny because i've moved my career away from a technical realm yeah people... <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm I, i'm still technical yeah absolutely. and it's in the title of my job right yeah. and it's it's so funny because i'm you know, I, I'm an engineer. Right? I, I, I've always been an engineer, and and I thrive on doing things that other people say can't be done, and uh, it's, yeah. I mean, um, uh, it's an identity of who I am, even though I'm now in program management, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think I would be interested in this job if there wasn't the technical aspect to it. I can actually, I know for sure I wouldn't be, right? Yeah. It's just not. It's part of what what I thrive on and what i do so what what made you
0: choose particularly to go into the the management field? Mm. um you know, I know some people like the business aspect of it, other people like the, right. the people and the interactive aspect of it. There must be something that drives you to do the t p m
1: yeah, so I have a lot to say about this, <laughs> <laughs> so I got time so. I'll go back in my history a little bit. So I actually did design for a long time, right? I, I, I did what was called physical design or silicon implementation or silicon engineering for I think close to twenty years. Worked in a number of different companies across the industry, and I, I like the excitement that that part of design provides. Uh, it, it provides an excitement of trying to race to tape out, and you work very hard you push yourself to try to get things accomplished as quickly as possible but some of that work can be uh, on your own right so where you're presented with a problem where you have to go run tools or you have to go do something and you're given a task and you go do it and while i was pretty good at that it also left a portion unfulfilled which was the human contact and communication and i found myself like getting out getting up from my work station or getting up from my cubicle or my desk and work and establishing communication. And I found myself repeated, repeatedly in roles where I was helping the team collaborate. Mm-hmm. And, and and honestly, I think the other thing that I did that was really beneficial is I reached out. So um, I ended up getting a career coach. So I did a lot of self-evaluation of what parts of the, my career I wanted to work on. And um and then I also uh, had advisors. In... That's pretty exciting because I, I don't know too many people who actually go get a career coach. Yeah. And, and, and we actually, you know, okay, so I, I worked with this uh, coach for a while. And uh, we did. He, he had some tests that we took. And I think in college people take different like personality yeah, tests yeah. and things like that. And this was a little bit different, but it kind of highlighted, okay, these might be the areas that you might be naturally good at. And so to do this in the middle of a career, or like, you know, I'm not done with my career yet, yeah. you know, to say, okay, I'm going to make a change, and then how do I do it? It was a process of, you know, not a few days. This took a, a while to do. But um, I did, I found people in the industry were really willing to talk about different job openings. Like if somebody had an opening, I could ask them, you know, who are you looking for? What are their expectations? Because if somebody has a, a, a job opening out there, Means they're looking for somebody, and that means that they. If it was easy to find them, you, the job posting would probably go away pretty yep. quickly. <laughs> so when when it's posted there, you can go ask them, hey, what, who do you, what are the characteristics? What is this job like? And then, in general, I found people were willing to. So I, I did a lot of research that way, and then you know it, it made sense to me too, right? That that I I naturally fit in an environment where it's technical, but I also I. Can communicate and share and enable teams to work together that all kind of made sense, so I made this change I don't know now four years ago, mm. and uh, it was it was of course life changing yeah right I I'm definitely much happier and I, and I think as an engineer I'm a little bit analytical and expect okay it's going to take you a bunch of years to become really successful or accomplish something at, at this because you have to learn how to do it and then learn how to do it better. and But in this role, it was quite different because I kind of expected that, but right a lot of the skills that I needed, I already had. So I was able to kind of jump right in. The other thing for me that was really fortunate was I, was, I, I stayed on the same team, so mm-hmm. I had the personal connections already there and it was in an area of, that I already knew about. So between that I was able to kind of jump right in and be very successful in that area. It's
0: it's amazing how it's like the the light switch has been flicked on and now you're com- you're very enthusiastic about your new role and excited about what you do and excited to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think when people are aligned that way, then there's the synergy that happens in their life and their work just kind of flow together and you don't have that uh you know, worrisome, uh, kind of like, Oh, you know what, what happened at work today? And am I going to be good enough, uh, to do something right now? You're just kind of like go with the flow. You are performing at the best of your ability mm-hmm. and that's the best that you can do. And you bring the best version of yourself.
1: Yeah, I think so. You hit some keywords that trigger my thoughts that are <laughs> <laughs> different, but yeah, it's, um, yeah you find I found a place where uh, I, I can perform naturally better mm-hmm. and um, it also leverages the interest that I have. Uh, I do find that in this role, if you don't enjoy the roller coaster, you you got to get off. Yeah this role in particular I find from one day to the next can go you know you're either on the upswing or the downswing, but you're usually yep. not just riding along flat. It's, uh, it's either you're fighting the battle or you're, things are just moving really fast and you're trying to keep up. But you, if, if you enjoy that ride and you enjoy that excitement, it's a phenomenal place to be because there's just always something going on. Yeah, I, that was one of the other things that through this process of self-discovery is I, I don't do well when I'm bored. Mm. And uh, there is no time that I'm bored in this role. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really exciting to
0: have you speak about your mental kind of your mental process mm-hmm. uh, I think that's uh really important for you know being being there uh as a role model for other people in this company as well uh to show
1: that you can ride that roller coaster <laughs> and still have great mental health <laughs> yeah, I suppose so <laughs> it it is an interesting place to be right you in this role, you have to kind of play a lot of different hats and yeah. so I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy uh inspiring others and trying to get teams to collaborate and and, and accomplish something together. And uh what, through that success, you know, you you create bonds and friendships that are amazing. Yep. And,
0: and they last past company boundaries. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No,
1: absolutely. And and we were, you know, that that's kind of the magic of what we do. Yeah, exactly. And
0: uh I'm I'm also curious uh you You've done something a little bit crazy. Uh, you and your family moved from North Carolina to Portland. Yes. For for this position, in your mid career, you uprooted your your family. Can you talk a little bit about your transition and how they feel and how they support
1: you? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot to say about this. <laughs> so yeah, I moved from North Carolina. I actually grew up in North Carolina. But not in, I, I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina, and grew up about 45 minutes from there. I left North Carolina for college and was gone for uh, quite a while, many years, and then uh, moved back down to North Carolina from the Northeast and was there for 11 years before I came here. It's interesting, as I made that transition from a completely technical role into a technical program management, I knew, right? the many people say in in chip design the center of the world is silicon valley i knew that i likely may have to relocate if i wanted to expand my career expand my opportunities and so that was kind of known i think i i could have stayed in raleigh i probably could have been successful and happy doing technical program management role but what when you move you when, when you open the opportunity or the possibility of moving Uh, You also open up the experience that you potentially would have, but you also Mm. open up the opportunity to take on larger roles or work in areas that you may not have had as much experience. And so that's what I was looking for was an opportunity to expand my experience, an opportunity to work with a company that was taking a chance and I could take on a larger role. Uh, I could take on ownership of more things. That was what kind of excited me about that. Yeah, I I evaluated the opportunity to move to Silicon Valley uh and then I also looked at Portland and um yeah, my it was a joint decision between uh my whole family, so my mm-hmm. kids were involved in the decision and and uh my wife deeply involved, right? She she came and we visited. I took my whole family to to uh California to evaluate that and um I came here and my wife and I we looked at places here and looked at the cost of it and the quality of life and decided to make that change i think one thing that i would like to bring up that you haven't asked about Mm -hmm. is um ampere specifically in portland yeah and um
0: you had a choice you had a choice to go to santa clara or portland
1: right the thing that i think is unique is a strong word because it means it's the own like it's the only thing right but it's rare to find a hardware chip company that's in an urban or somewhat urban downtown environment. Yeah, You see it a little bit more in software. Right? You see it a lot more in software, right? people are, There are numerous software jobs in San Francisco downtown right. and in New York City. But there are not chip design companies, hardware companies in those environments, really. Silicon Valley. But that's not a downtown area, right? It's not. Yeah. But our office here is downtown. And that actually you know, it's, it's a difference. So I lived in North Carolina previously, which was clearly suburbia, right? I'm big on new experiences and new things. We looked at living in suburbia in Portland. And we looked at living in an urban area, and we chose to live close to work. And that choice was made by my children, actually. So Mm. we uh, told them about it. And they said, yeah, we'd rather live closer to your office, uh, so that you could, they could see me more which is you know it's such a it's amazing when you don't have to commute right and um <laughs> i guess where i'm really going is is that i walk to work yeah which is incredibly rare i don't get in a car every day yeah and it it's really life-changing i mean it i it's such a cliche so, to say yeah how, to tell, say tell us that. about this <laughs> yeah so um i live about one 1.2 miles from the office I don't know there's not much to say. I get up in the morning and I walk. Um <laughs> but the difference here and what makes Ampere in Portland in this office different is the environment around here. And it's not it's not a really dense city like New York City, which can be somewhat uncomfortable to walk. It's just so many people. And it's not a a really commercial area where there's heavy industry. Uh, I mean we're on the we're we're by the river, but the communities that I walk through, I get to walk by some coffee shops, I get to walk by um, stores and and uh, some restaurants and even a distillery and um, a bread shop. I mean, it's it's really a unique community where there's, it's a unique commute in that way that you can't have or I haven't seen anywhere else. Yeah, it's really, really nice. So, yeah, I fully agree with you. That's why I'm also here. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: recognize that Many semiconductor companies tend to need a lot of space, mm. either for manufacturing or for very large yeah. offices. And that offices are tend to be a little bit uh, you know lower cost out in the suburbs right. of society. And you know, I've I've worked in Boston, mm. uh, the Bay Area, right. and and Portland. And you're right, I, I think, except for perhaps Austin, Texas. As the other yep. option that might have a semiconductor some. company in the city. Yep. Right. Um,
1: uh, yeah. Ampere I mean, my is, friends in Austin, though, they live in either North Austin or South Austin. That seems to be divided, and yeah, there are the, off- the the offices that are at the North and South side. You can't really walk to.
0: Yeah, that's true from a home. Um, so this this is a uh, yeah, I think unique is a good word. Yeah, in, it's in rare that. for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. rare for a hardware company to be sitting here mm-hmm. with such great amenities, you know, looking out from our window, we, we see all these great places to eat at,
1: right. culture, the riverfront. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when I was younger before family and single, I had friends who lived in the city and commuted out and, you know, they, they had an active lifestyle and nightlife and things like that and that's not really what I'm talking about here right I mean yeah. there I'm sure that aspect is here right it's Portland it's a pretty big city there's plenty of nightlife but from a livability standpoint this the location and what we're offering here is is really nice and uh, quite different I think from what just about you can find anywhere else in hardware so um, absolutely uh, I didn't really expect that when I came down here. <laughs> and when I decided to join, I, I didn't know that that's what was where I was gonna end up. So, um, yeah. Well, we're yeah. glad you like
0: it and we're glad that you're here with us, <laughs> leading the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tony, for coming on to share a little bit about the productization, the uh, product life cycle. We really demystified the product life cycle for me. <laughs> Thank you. And so that was very enlightening. So folks, this is Tony Dana the Director of Technical Program Management at Ampere.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure and an honor to be here today. Thanks.